Here we meet Jesus as he enters into manhood. And here we have the first recorded words of our Lord Jesus Christ. A clear affirmation that he has come to do his Father's will. The story also opens up the great mystery of how the boy growing up in Nazareth came to understand who he was and why he had come into the world. But the story also leads us into that very relevant contemporary issue of how to handle willful teenagers <laughs> and their mothers. <laughs> so let's get down to it. Luke begins the story which doubtless had been told him personally by the aged Mary herself by telling us that Jesus is 12 years old. That is, he is in his 13th year. Now, this is significant. At the age of 13, the Jewish boy, then and now, enters into manhood, takes his bar mitzvah. And from now on, the young man is declared to be morally responsible. His father no longer takes, is no longer answerable for the boy's actions, and he has the right to enter into the inner court of the temple in Jerusalem to worship with the men. Now, I reckon that it may be that Jesus took his bar mitzvah about this time in Jerusalem. That would have given him more ready access to the inner court where he met with the teachers of the law, and which also may be relevant is this, that as they journeyed down to Jerusalem, the boys, the, the boys and girls, and the women moved together during the day. The, the men were separate. But on the way back, once you were a bar mitzvah boy and you were legally a man, you traveled with the men. So he might have come down with his mom, back with his dad, and that may have been the cause of the confusion whereby they missed him at the end of the first day's journey back. But let's get to the heart of the great story, shall we? After three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Oh, Mary, can't you see? Don't you remember how when the angel first told you of the child you would bear? You simply said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Stop worrying, Mary. Yes, I know old Simeon warned you that there was trouble ahead. Yeah, we well know life is going to be tough for you and for your son. But God is in control. Just trust him, will you? 
trust Jesus? Now Jesus' reply is very significant here. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Now here's something interesting. The Old Testament, the, the old authorized version reads about my father's business. But do you know something? In the original Greek, the way Luke wrote it, it doesn't say house or business. It simply reads about my father. In other words, Jesus is saying, from now on my whole life is being delivered out through the power and the presence and the purpose of my Father God. As we have it in John 6.38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. But to understand what is happening here, we really have got to go back a bit and see what led up to this critical moment in the life of Jesus. And ask the question, when did the baby, the toddler, the wee boy, when did the growing lad with a human mind confined to a human body come to grasp the awesome truth that he was the Son of God and comprehend why he had come into the world. And relevant to this, when did Mary and Joseph tell him of the wonderful events surrounding his birth? Now we cannot for certain say how these things worked out. But we do have a clue here in the manner in which Mary handled the situation in the temple. For it would appear that they were still acting as a normal family. Luke refers to Mary and Joseph as his parents. In other words, up till this time as he grew up, it would appear he was just accepted as a full brother among his younger siblings. Have you ever thought what it would have been like for the little fellow as he grew up in Nazareth? Well, one thing we do know that whether he was aware of it from the beginning or not, he was God. He was of the nature of God and therefore he was sinless. As we read in Colossians 3.12, Clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Yes, simply pure and good. Loving his Father God. Loving the scriptures. Loving the place of worship. Now think how the young man must have been grieved by all the sin and wickedness he endured around him. Now I can tell you folks from personal experience that the little boys in Nazareth are among the nastiest kids you can possibly find. And I have a picture here to prove it. I took this in Nazareth all of 58 years ago. <laughs> now these little fellows, you see, are the Mary's well. 
They thought I was trying to take a picture of Mary's well. So they mobbed me and shouted cheek and, and made a general nuisance of themselves. And the poor kids didn't realize that they were defeating their purpose because I got a lovely picture of them. <laughs> <laughs> they were still a rotten lot. <laughs> and I shouldn't think they had been any better in Jesus' day. And in the midst of all this, Jesus the boy remained sinless, did not conform to the ways of the evil world, resisted all temptation. He had to, because this was God's purpose. This was of the nature of the incarnation, that the boy, the man, should remain sinless, for only then could he bear our sins and his sinless body on the cross. But surely as he grew in wisdom and in stature, as the Bible says, he would, as a boy within this human mind and body, come to grapple with the question, why do I love God and hate sin? Why am I different from other boys? Why have I come into the world? I think this would have dawned upon him gradually and reached its fulfillment here in Jerusalem at the Passover. I wonder how it came about. Now here we've got to speculate a little, but it's worth thinking about. Joseph, I think, played an important part here. Because the amazing thing is that God had entrusted this young carpenter in Nazareth with the awesome responsibility of caring for his son. He was responsible for the moral upbringing of the Son of God, Joseph. I'm sure he took it very seriously. Now, in accordance with Jewish tradition, now, as Jesus approached his bar mitzvah, his father, his earthly father's responsibility ceased. And the young lad became morally responsible. See? So, I've got a strong feeling that Joseph, fulfilling this high role as the father, the earthly father, the man in charge, responsible for, for the upbringing of Jesus, said, now time has come. Time has come, Jesus, to tell you some, some things we've hesitated to tell you all through your life. And maybe this happened on the way down to Jerusalem for the Passover. Maybe, just maybe the night before they took their last day's journey to Jerusalem. Joseph would put his hand on the last shoulder and say, come on Jesus. That's something to tell you. 
and they would go away from the group and sit there under a tamarisk tree perhaps and he'd tell them the whole story how he became engaged to Mary discovered she was going to have a baby instead of putting her away privately and how an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said Joseph Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And here they told Jesus of the birth in Bethlehem, of the shepherds who came with that amazing story of the angels, Great joy to all nations. You tell them about the Magi's visit from the east. And Herod's attempt to kill him, the flight to Egypt, the whole story. And that night, in their encampment in the hills of Judea, Jesus would have settled down to sleep with these words ringing in his ears. To you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He will save his people from their sins and so on. And the glorious truth is beginning to take hold of this lad. Can it be? Can it possibly be? Yes, of course, it's all fitting together that answers all these questions. Why I love God, why I can speak to God so freely, and others know why I hate sin. Yes, that's it. He is the Son of God, the sinless Son of the Father, the expected Messiah, the Savior of the world. And next day it is Jerusalem, the very place where he wants to be. And as soon as he could, he's going to seek out the teachers of the law. And as we have it here for at least three days, he sat with them there in the temple courts, asking questions and listening to them, and amazing these old scholars with his deep insights. I think I knew what the questions might have been. All about the expected Messiah. How would he come into the world? How would we know him? How would he save the world? Tell me, he would be saying, you are teachers of the law, you must know these things. I want to know, what do the prophets say? Explain to me what the scriptures say. And they would open up the old scrolls. And they'd get the great scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Here it is. A virgin will conceive and bear a son. Emmanuel, God with us. And would open up the smallest scroll of the prophet Micah. Bethlehem, out of you will come a ruler, the shepherd of the flock in the majesty of the name of the Lord. And they might wrestle with this seeming contradiction. The king of Psalm 72, who will reign in righteousness. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. And Isaiah 9, the Prince of Peace, whose kingdom will have no end. And yet, Isaiah 
53, Allah led to the slaughter, just like the pure innocent lambs that passed over, despised and rejected by man, pierced for our transgressions, all we like sheep have gone astray, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, and then they might read Psalm 22. They have pierced my hands and my feet. No, surely. That sounds like crucifixion. But then discover how that very same psalm ends with a great cry of victory. Dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. There he would sit. Quite oblivious to the fact that the hours and the days were passing by. He would sit there among the teachers, listening to them, asking questions, and they were all amazed. The young man Jesus was coming to understand, without a shadow of doubt, that he was the Son of God. In human flesh, he was the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. The sacred aura that would have prevailed pervaded the temple courts that day. Indeed, the Lord was in his holy temple. But that moment of revelation and of wonder comes to an abrupt end. Mary with Joseph bursts into the sea. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I. I must do my father's will. But what does this great story have to teach us in the church and in the family and in the world today? Quite simply this. Take warning from Mary. Take an example from Jesus. There is surely a clear message here. Firstly, for mothers and grandmothers. Granddads as well, I suppose. And especially loving Christian mothers of teenage boys and girls. And this, if this is not your problem, then you should be truly thankful. The message is quite simply this. Don't fuss. And don't worry. Oh, I know it's easy to say that but hard to accept, especially in our morally corrupt society today, as possibly we enter into the evil days at the end of this present age, of which we read in the Bible. But take God at his word, as we read in Proverbs 2, 6, train up a child in the way that he should go, 
And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And again, Isaiah 54, 13, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. You may have claimed them for Christ in Christian baptism. You have raised them up within the fellowship of the church and in the ways of God. Now it is up to them. Do, but not simply up to them. It is up to God. And if God has a purpose for that young lad or that girl, he will fulfill it. It may take a little time. His hand may well have to be heavy upon them to bring them back to himself, but learn to trust and entrust them to him. When you're tempted to worry, remember what we read in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. And Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But what of the boys and girls? Especially those who, like Jesus, are entering to manhood and womanhood. Do you know that the Bible tells us you listen? God has chosen you in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's Ephesians 1 and 4. And not only has God chosen you, he has redeemed you through the death and the resurrection of his son Jesus. That means he has set you free from sin to be his child. He has saved you from death and hell by what Jesus has done for you by suffering death on the cross and rising from the dead. And if you are tempted by the devil to say, well, so what? I'll tell you what, so what? In Romans 12, 1 and 2, in view of God's mercy, in view of all God has done for you, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Did you hear that? Like young Jesus, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not drift along in the ways of this evil world which is destined to destruction. Repent and believe the gospel. Be forgiven. Do not conform, be transformed. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to discover what God's will is for you, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And as Jesus declared to the rest of his family that day in Jerusalem, I must do my Father's will, so you will declare to your parents, to your friends, to the whole world, in the words of Paul in Philippians 1 and 21, for me to live is Christ. That's what young Jesus did right there in the temple in Jerusalem. And that's what you can do right now in 
St. Augustine sang up in church in Morel this morning. And to God be all the glory and the praise, now and forevermore. Amen.